You go to one doctor and you're like, my period is killing me. Having sex is painful. I'm constipated. I'm miserable. And they're like, well, that's normal. Take some ibuprofen and we'll put you on the pill. That little uplifting quote is from Dr. Aviva Ram, and it's part of a conversation you're about to hear between herself and Lisa Bilyeu of the Women of Impact podcast. Tune in to this episode for tips on addressing the root cause of our hormonal havoc, rather than just a band-aid approach to our symptoms, how we can take back the reins of control over our unique female biology, and what we can do right now to make the highs and lows of our cyclical nature more fulfilling and less stressful in our already chaotic lifestyle. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. A woman's cycle, the masterclass. Let's begin. Lesson one, it's a personal problem. Okay, I think we're ready to wrap things up, everyone. Nice job, class dismissed. Now let's get out there and spread the word that your problems are, well, your problems, and most likely in your head. Hormones, cycles, perimenopause, menopause. Can we just take a pause? Because it all sounds like a lost cause if you ask me. And honestly, shouldn't the complexities of a woman's body remain just that? Complex and, ooh, mysterious. Because a little mystery can be a lot of sexy. And who doesn't need to bring their sexy back, am I right, ladies? It's our role, no, our duty, as repressed and suppressed modern women everywhere to suffer in silence. Because I don't need to remind you, no one likes a complainer. I know I don't. So let's bear those burdens in quiet desperation and toe that status quo. I mean, why fix what ain't broke? And I'd much rather dole out my pain to someone medically trained, untrained, about what I'm going through so I can be misdiagnosed and possibly mistreated with something I don't even need. Besides, what's a few extra side effects when you're already feeling a little cuckoo cachoo? <laughs> oh, so true. What a relief to get that heavy weight off my already low-hanging chest. Up next, we're talking self-sacrifice and those pesky unmet needs that really should take their leave. Can I get an amen? Who's with me? Between our cyclical, hormonal, and feminine nature in general, let's face it, we girls got struggles. And most guys, they can't begin to understand or comprehend. But who can blame them? We barely get it ourselves which fuels this culture of intolerance we see from all genders and in both the health and wellness space, plus every other space, really. Like, ooh, yeah, you just don't want it bad enough if you can't get your butt out of bed early, hit the gym, get yourself caring, and grind out that side hustle before the sun comes up. Let's go on your feet, soldier. By the way, what happens when you grind something down? It turns to dust. Just saying. And let's not forget to bust out those eight hours because sleep, she is the new sex. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's that? Oh, you've got a good excuse for not doing what you know you should. 
No excuses. They're like assholes, ladies. Everyone's got one. What I'm really hearing you say is that you just don't love yourself enough. Because if you did, you'd make number one, priority one, placing that oxygen mask on you before anyone else. And it's your responsibility, no one else's, to get over your shit and commit. You either want it or you don't. It's a hell yes or a hell no. Forgetting the fact that when I do get to bed at a decent time, I'm up half the night in anxiety-laden fear, swimming in my own sweat with a NASCAR mind that never crosses that finish line. So, okay, let's talk fear for a second here and make one thing clear. The hormonal habits of our gender are not exactly fair. The lower nature of our testosterone and cortisol levels that we experience over that certain number of years Yeah, they can cause all kinds of crazy shit like anxiety-laden fear. And unlike those of the opposite sex whose nature it is to be, well, less scared, we women are forced to work harder and smarter, which makes it all the sweeter when we choose to persevere. Of course, a little bioidentical hormones can't hurt when we need a little boost up in here. I bring this up because I'm reading a book by Dr. Srini Pillay called Life Unlocked, and it's a deep dive into the biology of fear and how it plays into literally everything we do in life, every decision, every thought, every everything. (laughs) And while he shares how hormones definitely have their role, he also teaches how to redirect and manage your brain to mitigate those little pains in the asses. Essentially making your brain your bitch by sharing tools and practices that provide clarity around those limiting beliefs and negative thought patterns so they aren't the director of your life's symphony, but rather the background music they should be. And who of us doesn't enjoy a sense of control at a time when we feel we have so little? Meditation, visualization, reframing, attention to what you want rather than what you don't are just a few of the ways he talks about to keep that brain high and tight with fear at an at ease versus high alert. I've been doing my own version of mind control with something called neurofeedback in combination with some of the other methods Dr. Pillay prescribes. And after about six hours in, I'm definitely noticing some subtle changes. More calm, less activation when triggered, processing feelings easier and more quickly, an openness to possibility, just to name a few. And my goal is about 40 hours at this point, but I'll keep you posted as I progress and share any new developments. But personally, I've just been in WTF mode, continuously pissed at myself, pissed that I'm getting older and look it, that I'm not prettier or in better shape, pissed I'm not richer or in the place I feel I should be at my age and taking consistent action on the things I want to get done. Pissed I'm not perfect and that I'm even trying to be. That I'm not healthier when I work so damn hard at it. Pissed I'm not having more sex and that I feel slutty for even saying that. Pissed I'm not giving or more forgiving and at having to do things I don't want to do but I have to because people tell me to. That I'm not a better mom and a better friend. Pissed I'm not a better actor or consistent podcaster and more supportive of others who need it even more than me. Or that I even think, who the hell am I to help anyone other than me? Pissed I'm not a better sister, daughter, granddaughter, and that I judge others for thinking they should be who I want them to be. Yeah, I've literally just been pissed. And I just can't anymore. It's so draining. And honestly, it's irrational. 
but it's yet another layer of icing on the cake of a culture dismissing the very reality of what it means to not only be a woman, but one over 40. Because it's this pressure perfection that has me spinning in circles, trying to be everything to everyone, including me. And it's in being alone with myself and sitting in the silence that I'm realizing that sometimes you just gotta be. As hard as it is to listen to that internal chatter that never, ever ceases. It's constant streaming like a Netflix series on repeat. It's like that backed up pipe that needs unclogging. Initially, all the crap comes sludging through an endless polluted sea. Then, hallelujah, it starts to run clear and easy like a free-flowing river unencumbered by a bunch of nasty debris. And that's the thoughts in our head. Messy and confusing and shitty. But then, wait long enough and clarity appears out of nowhere. And it's in the listening that I can feel, understand, and gain awareness. Otherwise, I'm in constant distraction, reaction, and chaos, which is such a hard fucking place to be. How many of you are right there along with me? So if you've been listening for a minute, you might notice that throughout the life of this podcast, I constantly contradict myself. And that's not likely to change. (laughs) One minute I'm pushing for action to get shit done, live your best life. And another, I'm suggesting you give yourself grace and forgiveness for where you're at and how you're feeling, which is just life, right? Moving from one direction to the next, reevaluating, adjusting, and readjusting as we go, trying to keep some semblance of balance and sanity. But with time, age, and a lot of experience, I continually work to understand the biological obstacles I face as a woman and how that affects the way I walk through the world. It's not wrong or right. It just is what it is. And I can only do my best to navigate it. But it also doesn't mean I have to hammer on myself because of it or follow a particular dogma with its hard and fast rules. It just means I roll with where I am and what I'm dealing with in my own way and on my own terms, and not judging who I am or the choices I make as wrong. And difficult as it may be for us ladies, it's definitely not impossible. If anything, I'd say it makes us kind of invincible. And if you can master your biology and understand what's happening in the brain and body as we hit that age and beyond, it's going to make the rest a whole lot easier making us less resistant to attaining what we want in life and influencing how we show up in the world. And that's where our upcoming clip comes in, better late than never. Lisa Bilyeu and Dr. Aviva Ram dive deep into a woman's cycle and talk about the ways to optimize you based on the growing understanding of our internal mother nature. They talk confidence, sexuality, my favorite topic, physical health, money, and so much more. It's a bit longer than usual, but you'll come away with some great tips on how to use the attributes that make us women and reap the rewards versus just the burdens. If your hormones are wonky, if things are going on, it's not your fault. It's not Mm -hmm. something you're doing wrong. Yes, there are things you can do about it, but you're not broken. You're not messed up. There are just these factors that happen before We even had a say-so that may have set us down, you know, one track instead of another track. And the track that we got set set down might be period pain or endometriosis or polycystic ovary syndrome or acne or fertility challenges, but it's not your fault. 
I'm so glad you said that because um, I think we do as women in general, right? We put things on our own plate and on our own shoulders. And that is such an important part too. And I love that we started there because it is such an important part for this discussion so that people don't blame themselves because I think then the blame gets in the way of finding the solution. And I know that um, you have spoken very eloquently and I'd love to talk more about how instead of comparing ourselves to other people to establish what our norm is, and then recognizing the deviation from that norm Mm -hmm. so that we can then adjust accordingly. So we know that there's this blueprint that has guided women from time immemorial and we know what normal is in terms of like normal, healthy. But we've been convinced that what's common is normal. So it's very common Mm -hmm. for women to have horribly painful periods. It's very common for women to have really irregular cycles or all the struggles. But we're told, oh, that's normal because you're a woman. That's normal because you have a uterus. But it's actually not. Like this idea that being normal means suffering, miserable, or even hormonal, like out of control, Hmm. it's just totally not true. Yeah, um, and I am so glad you said that because many people, I think many doctors and many people have experienced that when they go to a gynecologist or a doctor, that it becomes very, you know, oh, I've got pain. It's like, oh, that's normal. And so we we don't even say, should I be changing this? Is there something I can do? And then make connections with why am I depressed? Why am I not feeling good about myself? And that's where I really would love to lead. So like making, why is it important, in fact, that we normalize our periods in order to have emotional stability? Well, first of all, you know, if we're struggling with something, that's hard enough. And then if we're struggling with something and we think it's our fault, there's something wrong with us, or we're just too embarrassed to talk about heavy bleeding or vaginal odor or irregular periods or pain or whatever it is, you know, we're putting ourselves at risk because sometimes these things are actually indications that there is something else going on. And the longer you put off taking care of that something else, the more risk you have with that. And so you go to one doctor and you're like, my period is killing me. You know, having sex is painful. I'm constipated. I'm miserable. And they're like, well, that's normal. Take some ibuprofen or we'll put you on the pill. Then you go to the next doctor. They're telling you the same thing. You go to the next doctor. And the other thing is the more doctors you go to, the more each doctor is likely to think it's in your head. So now you're not just getting recommended the pill and the ibuprofen, but you're told to take the Prozac or whatever it is. And not that those things are wrong. Like if you need those things, that's totally fine, but we're not looking under the hood. But here's the thing, all these different conditions have implications, right? So with endometriosis, it's actually causing scarring in the pelvis and the abdomen. And so it can cause your bladder to get adhered to your intestines, to your uterus. It can make it really hard to have a bowel movement. It can make it really difficult to urinate. It can make it really painful to have sex. It can affect your fertility. So we're doing ourselves a disservice by not pushing for information that um, we deserve to have. And that's why there's this concept now that actually got first circulated around 2007 by a medical organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics. And then in 2013, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists repeated what they said, which is that women's menstrual cycles are our sixth vital sign. So we have our blood pressure, our pulse, our temperature, our our respiratory rate. Pain is considered the fifth one. 
and women's menstrual cycles are the sixth, meaning that they're telling us something. They're giving us information. Just like you would take your temperature if you didn't feel well, we need to know what's going on with our menstrual cycles. But here's the thing. Even though two major medical organizations, like two of the biggest ones in the U.S. said that, do doctors know it? No. Like nobody's being taught that. So then it becomes really important for women to understand this information for ourselves. I call it me-search, like doing our own me-search, getting in touch with what's happening with your cycle, how do you feel, and it can be really cool because there are some crazy things. Like we know that we are more likely to go on a shopping binge when we are premenstrual than when we're in the middle of our cycle. So maybe, you know, like people say, don't order food or don't go shopping on an empty stomach. Like <laughs> don't, go, don't go crazy with your credit card right before your period. We also know that when we're ovulating, when we're fertile, we're more likely to go home with the good looking guy who's got a little bit of the bad boy vibe, or maybe the good looking woman who's got a little bit of the bad boy vibe, bad girl vibe. <laughs> um, but we're not necessarily making the best assessment. We're kind of thinking with our ovaries and our fertility. So learning some of these things is actually really fun. Oh my God. Like seriously, I'm like, please keep telling me more because that's the thing is that I, I am just, if I had to have my favorite quote ever tattooed, it would be with no judgment because everything that you're talking about, if, if you feel like you're drawn towards the bad boy or the bad girl, a couple of days before you're ovulating or whatever, like, okay, no judgment. Now at least I know so that I can prepare for certain things that may come my way. Um, what other yeah, ones? exactly. So what other yeah, ones can you actually know, like, give us? Yeah, so for example, we know that when we're entering that time of our cycle, when we're fertile, so when we're around ovulation, our energy is actually more pumped up. So we're more likely to stick with an exercise program that we start and our pain threshold is lower. We actually need to eat a little bit less for the most part and we're more inclined to eat lighter food right after our period all the way through ovulation. So if you do want to do that little mini detox or you do want to start that new eating plan and that new exercise program, you're more likely to get going on it and be successful with it. Same with a new business plan or applying for that job. You're more likely to feel confident. And it's really interesting because there are physical changes and emotional changes that happen that support that. We also, this is very weird, but as part of that whole um, biological like push for nature to want us to reproduce, we actually look more physically attractive to others but also to ourselves around ovulation. So if you're feeling lack of confidence about anything, which I hope you, you know, like you won't no matter what part of your cycle you're in, but if you need that extra little like boost of confidence to feel good when you look in the mirror to go and do that, you know, new thing you want to do, go out on that date, go out on, you know, to that club or go do that job interview, it's a great time. Also premenstrually, our pain threshold goes up and our exercise tolerance goes down. So it's a time to think about maybe doing some yoga or Pilates or a gentle dance class rather than like hitting up the CrossFit, especially if you've never done it before. Um, we do tend to want to eat a little more carbs and sugar. And there's a reason for that right before our period. It helps our brains produce something called serotonin, which makes us less depressed. But if you're restricting your carbs, 
you might feel more PMSy before your period, or if you're not aware that it's natural to want to eat more carbs and mm. sugar, you're more likely to go for the donuts or the muffin rather than being prepared for it, and even like keep a little like period calendar or like a menstrual cycle calendar throughout the month. That's literally what yeah. I was going to say is like, it, it would mm-hmm. be so powerful to keep a list of all the things you want to do in life, your achievements. I want to ask, you know, I want to run a marathon. I want to do this. I want to ask for yeah. that promotion. I want to take that challenge and then put it in your calendar based on when you're um, hormonally best to do so. Totally. And it's not like you can, it's not like we're not as capable at any time in our cycle. Being in that kind of natural flow of our cycle and playing to like playing to our personal best. It's just kind of some cool, fun stuff. Um, you know, and also just like I was saying, is it's good stuff to pay attention to so that we're not just pushed into our impulses. Like, hmm, I feel like going on a shopping spree at Net-A-Porte today. Oh, wait, I'm two days before my period. Let me just wait on that impulse and see if I really want that in one mm. week. Or, mm. yeah, I, I mean, I'm really attracted to this person and I really do kind of want to go home with them, but mm, let me check in. Okay, ovulating here. Am I actually really attracted to them or is this just like my hormones talking? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that so much because like you said, it's it's not that you can't, but if you can hedge your bets, it's like, why not yeah. do so? And that's what I'm always about. It's like, what tools and tricks can I use in certain situations to give me extra confidence right it's like there are going to be certain things I don't have the confidence in but if I can plan it to be around that in just thinking about oh if you do it next Tuesday Lisa you're actually going to be more confident so now what am I doing I'm actually telling myself Lisa next Tuesday you're going to be more confident so it becomes the real effect plus the placebo effect almost coming together to give you the outcome that you're looking for and we all kind of know it right like I mean how many of us really feel like going out to a club or a social gathering right before our period. I mean, we're more likely to want to put on our comfy clothes and watch a movie on Netflix. But if you start to pay attention to the middle of your cycle, you might go, huh, wow, I'm just suddenly feeling like getting out. And really, when we start to pay attention to these subtle cues, they really start to align. And here's the thing, if you're not getting those, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you either. Mm. But it can mean that your hormones aren't kind of dialing in at the level that we might hope they would be. And so those little signs, it doesn't have to just be pain or acne or PMS. It can actually be these more subtle things. Hmm, I'm actually not noticing that I'm having that little bump in my sex drive mid-cycle or yeah, I'm not having these shifts and changes. And that can be important too. I really want to do take us into the um, sexual desire and how we can um, use our hormones to our advantage and what we can do um, to, you know, raise our libido and things like that. Yeah. So back to what we were talking about earlier about understanding our cycles. That's a great place to start. So many of us have different, like, libido is so different for every woman and like what our expectations are what we want our sexual relationship to be so I want to honor like different people want different things but if you want that juicy sexual relationship one thing is to start to pay attention to well when is my libido stimulated when do I feel like doing it do I feel like being close intimate when do I feel most sexual and when do I feel most sexy because that's a lot of it right like If you're not feeling sexy, you're not going to be feeling sexual. 
So start to pay attention to what turns you on, when, what time of the month. Is it um, that you are around ovulation? Is it maybe you're closer to your period? For some women, that like increased pelvic pressure makes them feel much more horny and like just like wanting to have that pelvic release, right? It's a physical sensation. Um, is it, especially if you've been in a longer term relationship, is it when your partner reaches out to you and gets things going, then you're responsive Whereas if you had to get things going, maybe not so much. And that's really common for women, particularly when you have kids, you know, you're giving all day long, you've got your career, you're giving all day long. At the end of the day, you're like, really, do I really want to get that going now? But you want to be sexual. And so talking to your partner, if you're in a relationship where you can, you know, have that conversation, hopefully if you're in a relationship, you can have that conversation, say, look, I really want to be in this very fluid sexual relationship with you, but a lot of times I'm, these days, I'm just not feeling like getting things going. But if you get things going, and then you're, you start to pay attention, well, which things? Like for some women, it is essential back rubs. For some women, it's like your partner taking out the trash because you don't have to think about it now and doing the dinner dishes. And you're like, ooh, like that. Um, for some women, it's getting a gift. It may be like just somebody brings you home some chocolates or flowers or whatnot. So if you're finding that you're able to respond, and what does response mean? You're feeling turned on and your body is responding. Maybe you feel some sensation in your breast that's activated. Maybe you have more lubrication. That's all telling you that your body is responsive. Also, you know, most challenges with libido don't actually have to do with hormones. They do have to do with relationship and life circumstances. So if you have little kids and you're exhausted, getting a babysitter and getting out and getting a hotel room for the night, whatever you need to do to like break it up and change it up can really make a difference because you know, the kids go to bed and then you're starting to get going and then mom, I need some water. You know, it's like, it's a buzzkill. So thinking about what is getting in the way. We know that for people in their 20s right now, the use of electronic devices in the bedroom is one of the biggest buzzkills for sex. In fact, 20-year-olds, people in their 20s are having less sex than any of the last few generations. Whoa, Every study really? Yep. Yep, because I'm going to just go and flip through my Instagram or like text this person. Mm. So it's really getting in the way of people having that intimacy. But if you're not having any response physiologically, like you're, mm. not, you're just not getting turned on, if things feel pretty flatlined for you and you're noticing it and it's bothering you, then it could be your hormones. So it can be low estrogen, low testosterone, low progesterone. It can be um, anxiety or depression that's getting in the way. It can also be, you know, in that case, then doing things like supporting ovulation. If you're not ovulating, making sure that you're getting really good, healthy fats in your diet, avocado, fish, fish oil, um, olive oil. These are all great healthy fats that support building your hormones, making sure that you're addressing stress because the cortisol, the hormone cortisol can block your sex drive. Make sure your thyroid function is normal. You can actually ask your primary provider, your doctor, your nurse midwife, your nurse practitioner to run a thyroid panel because mm. low thyroid function is an absolute, like will absolutely block your libido and it's really common. So there are things that you can do to just check in. I love this class of herbs called adaptogens. A lot of people have heard of them now. Ashwagandha, rhodiola, holy basil. 
And the reason I love those when sex drive is low is because they help to balance your stress hormones. They help to reduce anxiety. Mm. They help to support your sex hormones. And they have a little bit of, they're not like sexual stimulators, but in doing all of that, they can help really support libido as well. So you can take those every day. And it's not like the more you take, the more libido. I mean, there are herbs and supplements that can help with libido, but I don't really feel like that's usually the safest way to go. They're, they tend to be more right. stimulating and not really getting to the root cause of what's going on. And a lot of what's going on is, you know, either we're at a moment in our life, we've got little kids or we're going through menopause and we're just not feeling it. Um, but it's a lot of times it's we're, we're tired and we're overwhelmed or we're just not getting the juice back. You know, we're not like having the person who's really taking the time to make it romantic. And all for women, it's really different than for men. Like for men, it's very physical. I mean, they can get erections all day long by just thinking about sex or seeing something that turns them on. For women, we know it's about relationship. Mm. It doesn't mean you can't, you know, see someone who's hot and feel really drawn to them and feel really aroused. But in general, for an ongoing, healthy sexual relationship and good libido, it really is about that connection that we tend to want to get things going. And yeah, chocolate. And then, <laughs> go ahead, chocolate. chocolate. Spicy, <laughs> spicy foods, scary movies. It's weird. There are some things that get your like adrenaline going. So if you're really looking for a hot date. Isn't that funny? So yeah. if you're looking for a hot like, date, you should watch a horror movie while and drinking eat chili a chocolate. Eat chili chocolate <laughs> while drinking ashkanda tea. Totally. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, um, you know what you were saying that reminded me of something um, before, because we've talked a lot about self-esteem and you know body image plays such a huge role in um, sexual stimulation and sexual arousal because. You can feel really attracted to someone, but if you're feeling really bad about your own body or your own self, you can almost kind of squash your own libido. Like, yeah, I really want to, but they're not going to like, and it can be about like, mm. it can be about your husband that you've been with for 20 years or your wife that you've been with for 20 years. You know, you're at a different phase in life. Maybe you've had a few children. Maybe you're in perimenopause. Maybe your boobs aren't like, you know, as high up on your chest as they used to be, or maybe you've put on some pounds or you're just feeling unconfident and that has such a huge, huge role. And I just, I want us to be able to embrace ourselves however we are and know how beautiful and sexy we are when we feel that way. And I think part of, you know, hearkening back to what we were talking about in the very beginning of like not having the conversation about things that are embarrassing about our periods, we, we are not taught to explore ourselves and our own sexual pleasure and we're definitely not taught to talk about what we like with our partners. So sometimes things just get stale or maybe your body has gone through changes and things that you used to like, you don't love as, as much anymore. Maybe, you know, when you were 18 and 20, anything would get you turned on. But now you're like 40 and it's just not the same. You're in a different place in your life. But being able to explore what we love, find our own pleasure mm. and then be able to communicate that to a partner or partners, however you roll, um, that can be a game changer for your sexuality. And one thing that's been really interesting with COVID is that um, the sexual pleasure and sexual toy market has exploded because so many <laughs> people are home alone. 
Um, but it's something that <laughs> if you're having trouble finding pleasure with someone else, but you can find it with yourself, that's really important because one, that may say something about what's going on in your relationship. And it may not mean that relationship is doomed. It may mean that you need to have a conversation of like what does and doesn't please you. Um, and it may be that your partner just doesn't know and they're not, mm. they're not educated. So when you find what you love, you can show them and then they can be more attentive to your needs. Like what you heard and want to learn more? Check out the full episode of today's clip. Women's Health Expert reveals the secret to balancing your hormones with Dr. Aviva Ram and Lisa Bilyeu on the Women of Impact podcast. Links to that and both their social media are in the show notes below, along with the book I mentioned, Life Unlocked by Dr. Srini Pillay. And check out my newsletter to get a sneak peek into more of my own journey on how I'm fumbling my way through my 40s and beyond. And as always, if you enjoy today's podcast, please subscribe and share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.